Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with people that uh, love Jesus Christ. Um, you have the greatest thing going by far. It's neat to be raised in a household with uh, parents that love Christ because it gives the kids the greatest opportunity and your grandkids. So always remember that when you get married and you get married and have kids, that what you're doing is going to affect the grandkids and the great-grandkids. And that's important, especially when you become a grandparent like myself. Praise God. And so I'm going to get into the word with you in just a moment here. But uh, it looks to me as though, as though God has been really good to you. Amen? I look around in this place and how it looked the last time I was here about a year ago. It's night and day. It's beautiful. It looks great. You guys have done a great job. It's nice when it's your building and you can do whatever you want with it. And when you are putting your money and your time in it, you know it's an investment for the future. Uh, I love seeing all those chairs that are here. This looks new and spiffy and it's great. Uh, God's going to bless you. He's going to bless you. And all you now you have to do is go out and win souls, which is actually pretty easy to do. It really is. All it means is you need to go out there, start knocking on people's doors, invite them to church. And when you do that, God is going to reward you with other people walking into your church because you've been faithful. Amen? Every Christian needs to be faithful. Friends, relatives, acquaintances, and neighbors, right? That is the key to soul winning. Go make friends. Go knock on as many doors as you can and ask them, Would you, have you ever wanted to know more about God, about Jesus Christ? And if you do and you're interested, I will teach you a Bible study if you like. You can ask wherever you want. And that's, and that's how you start. And as you're doing that, God will bring other people to you in other ways. And it works. This is like the third church we've been in charge of now. Um, this is really the first one that's all completely ours, the building as well now. But uh, as I get into the Word in just a moment here, we're so thankful, along with you folks, because about a year ago, uh, I was getting out of the military, and um, all the COVID deal had gone, had really done some interesting things in my life, and caused some real issues physically and mentally and spiritually, but it was for God's glory in the end. I learned to be thankful in the midst of all those trials that I went through, but about six months before I got out, so I got out in October, the military told me, go home and don't come back. It's really what they said. Don't come back to this base. We don't want you on this base. And uh, it was sad because we lost two people to suicide in that tiny little base in a short period of time because they didn't think it was important enough to have a chaplain on the base unless he was vaccinated. And I'd already tell them, well, I already had COVID. What do I need to be vaccinated for? You know, I won't go into all that with you, okay? <laughs> Regardless how you feel, that's now been some time, right? But, uh, but you know what? All through that, there was times when it came up and I thought, for all the reasons I don't want to go do this, but, Lord, I, I want to I win souls. But it was really neat about it was they sent me home, and I was like, gosh, I, uh, Lord, I, I'm so used to trying to win souls on the base and the military all this time. But when they sent me home, I'm like, okay, I'm starting a church. Fine. You're sending me home, and you're going to pay me as an officer in the military? I'm going to go home, and I'm going to build a church. You know, God willing. And so we did. For the next six months, we about half the size of this is the size of our downstairs uh, uh, basement area. It's completely, you know, finished. God almost looks like this, just a reverse side of it. And we just decided we're going to have church in our house. And we did. And it started filling up. A couple of the police officers came, and one of them was a licensed minister for the UPC. And it was, he's the only UPC minister that I know in that area by far. And the one city he got, he was trying for all the different ones, he got the city that I came in and became a chaplain almost at the exact same time for the police department. How God works, right? When you want to do the work of God, God will open up the doors and help you. And, and it's been a blessing. But we started in that home, 
And the police officers let me know very quickly that we're not bringing the people on the street into your house because we're concerned. And these are people that we've arrested and we deal with on and on. And we're not gonna, we don't want to bring them into your house. And now for me, all by myself, it would be fine. You could bring them into my house. But when I have a wife there, it was a little concerning. So I'm like, okay, got it. Well, nobody would rent to me. Nobody would rent to me because as soon as they found out I was apostolic, because they'd ask the questions where I was coming from, what my background was, they were like, oh, you're going to preach against these sins. And in particular, it was always the same thing. I didn't bring it up. Oh, you're going to preach against homosexuality. And I'm like, I preach about all sin and against all sin, about it being needed to be covered by the blood of God, right? The blood of Jesus Christ. And I said, so I'm not just going to sit there and preach all the time about homosexuality. What are you, what are you talking about? Well, turns out again and again, the people were very much into, hey, there's nothing wrong with homosexuality. Hey, you know, you can do whatever you want. It's okay in God's eyes, you know. And we just all need to love each other as Christians. You don't love somebody if you don't tell them the truth. Amen? If you, don't, if you don't really love somebody unless you tell them the truth because their eternity is at stake. Amen? And so what was really neat was, so everybody turned me down in the city. Usually, what we've seen before is you go in and you ask somebody, can I rent your building? They're like, sure, you can rent our building. Make us some money. Churches were closing down. They didn't have pastors. On and on and on. It's like, go ahead and rent it. Nobody would rent me. They always ask the same question. So I was like, okay, God, I don't know what's going on here. I don't, I don't get it. But the really neat thing about it, the way it all worked out was the day we got a place to rent for $50 a month was also the day that we closed on our own building. Praise God. The way God did things was so incredible. The house that we had in San Diego went from being one price that was very inexpensive to doubling in price within the two and a half, about three and a half years that we had it. And that time period, it allowed us, because you guys probably know, it's not easy to buy a building, especially a commercial building, come up with the cash, all that. Well, if I took it out of my house, which God gave to me, it was really easy. All I had to do was refinance the house. Praise God. And we did. And next thing you know is we own the building. We own the building outright. Now, yeah, we have a mortgage on the house, but you know what? It's God's house, right? And he made sure that I could pay for it because when he had me leave the military, I got a pension. When they told me to go home, it was for evil that they were sending me home. But God turned around and said, you know that disease you have in your body? You're now going to get paid for it. Praise God. So let me tell you something. God does incredible things. You just got to walk out in faith and say, God, I want to serve you. What does the Bible say? What did Jesus make it clear in the scriptures is? Give and it shall be given to you, right? Press down, shaken together, and running over. So that means whatever you give to the Lord, he's going to give back that much more. How much more when you give your life to him? Amen? If you will give your life to him, just think what you're going to get back so much more and so much deeper and press down, shaking it, and run. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what we have in heaven. Now, it's 1907, and I don't see a clock back there, so that means I have as much time as I want, right? No. Is there a clock around? There's no clock. It helps me. It's so that everybody else knows, right? Oh, there we go. Hey, I like it. It seems to be up here, brother. <laughs> I will try to step back and keep an eye on that, okay? Because I've learned when you're winning souls, it's better to go shorter, give them a lot of stuff, let them come back hungry the next time, amen? And then they're going, I can't wait for them to leave. <laughs> it's been three hours. They haven't left, right? Break down. So we will not do that. I'm going to get into the word in just a minute. But before we do that, would you stand together with me one more time? And let's lift our voices and our hands and let's just give glory to God. I love you, Jesus. You are worthy, you are righteous, you are holy. Worthy is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. 
Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Glory and praise and honor to the King of kings and Lord of lords. The great I am who is and was and is to come. Holy. Come on. Let's clap our hands. Let's give him the glory. It's what it's all about. You deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. Jesus, you are worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Praise and glory to his name. Praise Jesus. You are worthy. Praise God. It's what it's all about. Amen. We were, we were put into this world to glorify God. Now, one scripture I forgot to give you, brother, back there, if you would turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 43. Got to love the book of Isaiah. Now, folks, I do understand that it is important to give a message that keeps you engaged. So in the middle of the engagement, you can laugh at me if you like. But yes, I do know I'm wearing tennis shoes, okay? And it looks like somebody just punched me in the face. My wife didn't do that this time, okay? She never has. I was playing disc golf with my little young grandkids, and one of them has got a great arm. And so from about, about 50 yards away, he planted it, and I was talking to my wife. We were talking, and I, that's what I get for talking and not paying attention. And boy, did I get it in the face good. So that's number one. So I got it in my face, so that's where that came from. Number two, I'm wearing tennis shoes because I just had surgery two weeks ago, okay? So any other kind of shoe but tennis shoes just don't feel good right now. So that's why I'm wearing tennis shoes. And because I forgot my black socks, I'm wearing my ski socks, okay? So I know I'm a mess. And yes, finally, for sure, the tie does not match the shirt because I grabbed the wrong tie with the wrong shirt or the wrong shirt with the wrong tie. I can't remember which it was. But neither way, I look like a mess. I know, I got it. Praise God. I am a, a walking fashion arrest. But glory be to God. He'll, hey, just think about it. They did not wear what we're wearing today. You had a robe on. You had a tunic, you know. It's very simple. You had one set of clothing. You showered on average once every few months. So we're not doing too bad, right? <laughs> Could you imagine getting in bed or in the same room with somebody that hasn't taken a bath for several months? <laughs> that is why when Jesus said, to wash your feet is enough, and you are clean. He wasn't kidding. <laughs> Amen? Praise God. All right, Isaiah chapter number 43. Now, I want to preach to you this on this subject, and then I'll let you be seated, but I'm going to read this portion of Scripture. The who, what, where, when, and why of Thanksgiving. It's all about Jesus. All of those W's, those five W's, are all about Jesus. And as we're looking at this, I want you to look at yourself. Remember, we are now grafted in to Israel. Amen? We are brothers and sisters in Christ with the Jew who is a believing Jew. But now thus saith the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. Aren't you glad the only one you ever have to fear in life is Jesus Christ? Amen? All you have to do is fear the Lord. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. That's you. That's you as sons and daughters. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Nor shall the flames scorch you. For I am the Lord your God. That word Lord there is Yahweh. The Holy One of Israel, your Savior. 
I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba, in your place. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored, and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory. You ever wonder why you were created? It was for his glory. I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Praise God. You may be seated. For a little while, I want to talk to you about why you should be thankful, when you should be thankful, where you should be thankful. Turn from there to the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter number 7 and verse number 11. We're going to talk about two words here. And your pastor kindly gave me 37, 30 minutes, excuse me. So a little more. He didn't get that. I said I usually preach for about 30 minutes, okay? Leviticus chapter number 7 and verse number 11. I want you to realize the word here is todah for, thanks, for the word thanks or thanksgiving. It is also a used word, a word that is used in the Hebrew for praise. Or peace. Pretty interesting when you think about thanks, right? What have you got to be thankful for? So just give me a moment here as I'm, as I'm just, just putting down a little bit of foundation for you. But Leviticus chapter 7, verse number 11 is 3,500 years ago. We're going to jump into a little bit later to just a couple of thousand years ago. But the other word that you're going to see in the New Testament, remember the Old Testament word for Thanksgiving is toda. In the New Testament, anybody here ever go to a Catholic church? You remember the word Eucharist? Okay. That is, the, that is the Greek word Eucharist for thanks or thanksgiving. Okay. So when you see that, when Jesus talks about it or other places in the New Testament, that word Eucharist or Eucharista, it means thanks or thanksgiving. Okay. So Leviticus chapter number 7 and going to verse number 11. Now realize here there are lots of offerings in the Old Testament scriptures for what you had to give an offering for. If you sin willfully or unwillfully, presumptuously, accidentally, whatever the reason, there were all kinds of offerings for those things. But this is, and by the way, it had to be done in a certain place, at a certain time, and only certain times of the year. It had to be, it was orchestrated. You couldn't just do it whenever you wanted to or how often you wanted to. It was once a year. Can you imagine having sin in your heart and having to wait a full year to know that the blood, before that blood had covered you? Pretty interesting, okay? Now, you, you could go in, but people didn't live very close to Jerusalem. And there was a certain place they had to take those offerings. In the Old Testament, before, the, before there was a, a tabernacle that was set up, there was still certain guidelines that were coming forward. So, but here we are, and in chapter number 7 of Leviticus, chapter number 11, this is a different kind of offering. This offering gets done Whenever you want. This is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer to the Lord, that's Yahweh. If he offers it for thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And it goes on there. But now turn to Leviticus 22 and verse number 29. And it says this. Leviticus chapter 22 and verse 29 says this. And when you offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord, offer it of your own free will. 
Now, I won't go into all the details because it'll take a while to lay the foundation. But what I can tell you is this. The beautiful thing about the Thanksgiving offering, which was also a peace offering, which you'll also find was a praise offering, you could do it however often you wanted. It was for free. You didn't have to do it. You did it because you wanted to. For just a little while while I'm talking to you, I want you to think about the blessing of giving thanks during, before, in the middle of your trials. Amen? And so go jump there to Daniel chapter number 6 and verse number 1. Daniel 6, chapter number 1. And the reason why this is going to be important, because I can guarantee you somewhere, sometime, either now, in the past, in the future, someday really bad, you're going to need to give that thanks offering. When you're in the middle of the worst times of your life, when everything is backwards, down, you're not feeling good, you don't feel right, when everything feels wrong and you're wondering, God, why did you put that iron sky above my head? You can't hear a thing that I'm saying. Obviously, you're letting this happen to me, kind of like Job may have felt. But here we are, we need to realize that God is prescribing how often and when you need to give thanks. Praise God. Look at this. Daniel chapter number 6 and verse number 1 says this. It pleased Darius, and you know the story, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. Now remember, he has been taken into, into the Babylonian area, and he is there with a few people that, you know, are, are left from the stragglers that have been taken out of Judea and, and, and all of Israel, and he's there, and it says, and so he set up his satraps to be over all the whole kingdom, and over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Can you imagine being a slave, basically a slave, taken to another country under the worst conditions? Can you imagine right now if this church was taken over because the country was taken over by the Communist Chinese Party and they won the war and you're a Christian now in their nation and now they're telling you as a Christian you're going to come into the CCP, Communist Chinese Party's headquarters, and you're going to teach us how you Americans think. And I want to know how you Americans as Christians think. You're going to talk to me, and you're going to tell us about that. But basically, you're not going to do anything unless I let you do it. And you're going to do as I tell you to do, and I'm going to use you for my own purposes in the future. That's what it was all about. He's using these people. The king believes he's using them. But what's neat about it is he finds in David an excellent spirit. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no fault or charge because he was faithful. Can you imagine? Could you imagine being faithful to the Chinese Communist Party? Or how about if the Ayatollah Khomeini was now in charge and he allowed you to live, but you're still a Christian and you still have got to live your faith out and look what's happening. That's basically what's going on here. This is the worst set of circumstances for an Israelite. And this is where they find themselves. And be very careful about how you think this is never going to affect you. Because the world is changing. And there is no guarantee that the church won't see any tribulation. It may not see the wrath of God, okay, as we know. Because God's not going to bring wrath upon his people. But that does not mean you're not going to go through tribulation. And what are you going to do when you go through that tribulation? Think about it. Worst case scenarios that you could have come up in your mind. 
those things that produce fear in your life. This is why you need to fear no one else but Jesus Christ. Amen? Fear not him who can kill the body and do no more, but fear him who can kill the body and throw you into hell. Amen? Didn't Jesus make it clear? Look what it goes on to say this about this Daniel in the worst possible scenario that he could ever come upon. So no charge with fault was found in him because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. He will never break the law of his God. He loves his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said to, thus to them, King Darius, live forever. But something like puffing him up, right? And that is the ego when you're in positions of power and authority, it goes to your head. And he goes on to say this, live forever, O king. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have all consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter king. Set it in. We already know what we're going to do. We know how we're going to trip up. The, we know how we're going to get Daniel to fall. And now we have just set the trap. Please sign this, O king. You're so wonderful. You're so great. You're the greatest king ever. Nobody should ever worship anybody but you. Oh, I'm so wonderful. And then, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down, get this, he knelt down on his knees three times that day. You ever want to know what kind of prescribed prayer you should have throughout your life? Might be a good idea to study Daniel, amen? Knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since his early days. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I want to I be like Jesus Christ ultimately because he's the perfect example of what it means to be a man in this world. Don't think I'm ever going to get there in this world. But I can look at some good godly men that I'd like to emulate, emulate in, in life. Amen? And you guys all know the rest of the story, right? So he doesn't, he's not going to, gets, he gets in trouble. They rip him out of there. They throw him in. They say, hey, you know the law, the Medes and the Persians can't be altered. Daniel goes in the lion's den, and he does. And remember what happens? God delivers Daniel out of the mouth of the lions, right? You all know the story. And it causes a conversion within the heart of the king, where he goes on to say later on, let no one out there ever charge anything against Daniel or his God. And all the people that charged anything before that went into the lion's dens themselves. But you can see is there is no one greater, there's no other God like Daniel's God, because he was faithful. He had an excellent spirit. He prayed regardless of the situation, no matter what anybody's going to do. He's going to get killed if he prays, because he loves his God. And he did it anyhow, and God blessed him. He knew what he was going to have happen, but he got down on his knees and gave thanks to God. Whew, pretty amazing, isn't it? Jump ahead a little bit to 1620 and Plymouth, Massachusetts. And a hundred and some people are arriving on the shores of Plymouth. Everybody know Thanksgiving, what it's all about, right? What is Thanksgiving really all about? 
Who do you give thanks to? When you say thanks, thanks for what? And thanks to who? Amen? Every time you think of Thanksgiving, think about, I'm giving it to the Lord my God who created the heavens and the earth, and then he died for me on that cross. I'm giving thanks to him. And that's exactly what you see at Thanksgiving during that time. Those Puritans come over. They come over with a hundred and some people on that ship. By the time the first spring is about over, they are down to 50. And in the midst of it all, as they're waiting in their little fort, as they're dying out, an Indian walks into camp. And he speaks to them in English. And they're like, what in the world? Squanto. Legend of Squanto. Great story, right? And it was all, and get this, Squanto was taken away about 10 years earlier as a slave to Spain. Got trained by the monks. They saw what was happening, got him out of the hands, and then got him to England. And eventually, about 8 to 10 years later, he winds up back in North America. And because of that, he goes in and he helps those people, those same English people, who were some of the same people that took him into slavery. Wow, right? And because of his actions, he helped save that group of people because he was thankful, because he'd been trained about the things of God and how important it was to give thanks. And that's what they did that Thanksgiving, that first Thanksgiving, was they gave thanks to God for the fact that he was back there where he was. If you listen, if you read the, the, the annals of, of what Bradford said, William Bradford said, he made it very clear he was there, he, that Squanto was sent there by the providence of God. Praise God. Hey, all they wanted to do was worship Jesus Christ their own way, and God helped them. It seemed like a trial. It seemed like a terrible situation. But God showed up. They gave thanks. They weren't through their storm when this Thanksgiving happened. But they determined that they were going to give thanks in the midst of it. And the 90-some Native Americans came in and gave thanks with them. And they didn't really know what it was all about. Squanto did. They knew what they were talking about, but they were giving thanks to his God. That's what they set it all up for. So think about that. Think about in 1777, the first Continental Congress of the United States. They stopped everything. George Washington, who is now in charge of all the forces of the, with the Continental Congress, they decide in the midst of the beginning of this war that's going to last about eight years, they declared the first day of thanks, public thanksgiving and praise to God. Praise God. 1777. 1863, President Lincoln. 1863. It's the beginning of the Civil War. It's bad. It's going worse real quick. President Lincoln, in the midst of the beginning of this war, which was brutal, and they were losing the United States Union government was losing. They had lost several skirmishes, and they didn't know if they were going to get out of this, what was going to happen. They actually thought the South was going to win. But President Lincoln set aside a national day of thanksgiving to God. Praise God. Set aside as the 26th day of November, a Thursday, which was the final Thursday of that month. Wow. Just think about it. They decided that in the midst of it all, to give thanks to God, for what that he had already done for them, but also what he was going to do for them in the future. Because God never stops giving. You start giving him praise. You start giving him thanksgiving offering. God's going to keep pouring out more and more, greater and greater. You can't outgive the Lord with anything you have. Folks, if you don't give in this church, you are just, you are just blowing it for yourself. Amen? Because the more you give, 
to the work of God, whether it be time, your talent, your treasure, God will give much more back to you. You'll never be sorry for what you give to the Lord. And I say that to you because, remember, as I've said before, is I was cheap. I was as cheap as a, as, as a half a penny, okay? That's pretty cheap. And I, was, and, I, and I wouldn't give it to you, okay? But God touched me by his word. And I started giving. And I'll tell you, I've given at least 10%. Early on, it was just 10%. But I kept giving more and more. And over time, I have loved to give more. And the more God gives me, I give bigger amounts. And he never outsops. Start, he never out. He never, never, never gets to the place where he says, I can't give you more than what you, you've given to me. There's no way. He created the heavens and the earth. He created heaven. We get to go there. Praise God. All that goes along with it. Last place I'm going to go to, because I am watching the time. I got seven minutes left. Praise God. Turn to Matthew chapter. Look at that. I'm already getting class, man. I tell you what. Woo! Go to Matthew chapter number 26. And verse Number one. Chapter 26 and verse number one. If you're ever not sure what I've just told you and how important it is to give thanks all the time, constantly, everywhere, worst times, best times, middle of the trials, beginning of trials, at the end of the trials, let me give you the perfect example. Matthew 26, verse number one. Now it came to pass... When Jesus had finished all these sayings, and you have to go back a little bit and you'll look at all his sayings. And by the way, he was just talking about heaven and hell. And it was hard. And he is slamming people real hard. He is. Just before this, he is giving it to them. So he's basically turning away his, he's basically almost like deconstructing his ministry. Because he's letting them know exactly what he expects. And those that are going to heaven, and those are going to go to hell. And he's talking to the religious leaders and all those people. And the ones that are going to try and kill him very shortly and who wanted to kill him. And now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man, Jesus' favorite term in Scripture for himself, the Son of Man, by the way, that comes from the book of Daniel, the Son of Man, and if you read there, you'll see where that comes out. And the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Now, go to verse number 26. And as they were eating, his, this is his final meal. It's his final meal with those people that he loved, that he had brought to him, disciples, who's become his apostles. Think about what would happen if you knew right now that in just a few hours they were going to beat the tar out of you. They were going to whip you. They were going to pull out your beard. They were going to put a crown of thorns on your head. They were going to fillet your back open. And they were going to hang you on a cross. You are getting ready to go on a cross in just a few hours. Think about those nails going in your hands or your wrists, in your feet. Think about that. If you knew that was going to happen in just a few hours, what would be going through your mind? And this is what's beautiful. And as they were eating this meal, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it. And gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks. Think about that. He didn't get angry. He wasn't upset. He gave thanks. Praise God. Let's stand together.
And he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went into the Mount of Olives. Do you realize we've done so much of that already today? Praise God. We've sung hymns. We've worshipped him. We've given thanks. Did you know, by the way, that they have found that people who give thanks to God regularly, they give thanks and are thankful people, are healthier mentally, physically, spiritually. They get less disease. They get less cancer. There's less bitterness, less sickness. The rate of suicide drops through the floor for a thankful people. Praise God. Think about the example of Jesus Christ. When you're going through the worst parts of your life, that's the time to drop down on your knees and lift your hands and do exactly what Satan doesn't want you to do. And that's why we get in here and we lift our hands and we worship God because Satan doesn't want you to do it. Because if you're not thankful, if you're not happy, if you're not having joy in the kingdom that is here in this place right now that dwells inside of us, who else is going to want to be around you? That's why we give thanks. Amen. Let's lift our voices to him and let's just thank him. Lord, we love you. I love you, Jesus, for your goodness and your mercy, your love, for your example. Thank you for showing us the way to joy and peace and everlasting life, Lord. Thank you that we can know thanksgiving for you've been good to us all the days of our lives. You have supplied every bit of our food and clothing and shelter. Those things that you gave to your apostle to say, and with these things we shall be content. And if that was not enough, you floated over all the sides and you've given us so much more. Thank you for what you have done in this church, what you're going to do through this church. We thank you for your blessings here that Placerville has a light shining like never before that you have given them this, Lord, that you have blessed them as they have given themselves to you. Lord, pour out your spirit like never before in this place. In the name of Jesus. Listen, there's a place wherever you are. Just find a place if it's where you're at. But would you just lift your voice? Would you just thank him with all your heart? Has he been good to you? Has he done anything good in your life? Praise God. Has he supplied every need? Did he shed his blood for you? That you might have eternal life if you'll just repent of your sins and go down in the water. He has promised to give you the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, you are worthy. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed.